everyone. My name is Pastor Ryan Alexander. I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. So glad you are with us. If Hosanna is your church home, bless you for faithfully giving to the Lord at Hosanna. If you're not already giving regularly and proportionally to how God has given to you, it's easy to get started. Just text Hosanna Church to 77977. We are in a series called Race Matters. This series is nothing less, nothing more than a Jesus statement. And we are following the path that leads to freedom. Starting with truth, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's a truth that leads to confession, a confession that leads to repentance and a repentance that leads to reconciliation. And last week, uh, Jen talked about a confession that leads to repentance. Powerful message. Make sure you check that out if you haven't heard it already. This week, we're talking about repentance that leads to reconciliation. And we felt like the best way to cover this topic, this part of the journey, was for me to have a conversation with a couple of people who have authentic, authoritative perspectives on race matters. So let's watch this conversation together right now. Well, hey everyone, I'm here with a couple of my friends, uh, John Bermel, uh, who is a retired police captain and also an ex-president of the Vision Board here at Hosanna. I'm so grateful for your leadership, especially during that critical time that you were the president of this congregation. Uh, so good to have John here. So Chiat Chum is with us. He oversees the student ministries at Hosanna Rosemount. He's also a Christian hip hop artist and, uh, and I'm really grateful for the conversations that we have had um, and the friendship that we formed. Mm -hmm. And so thank you both for, for being a part of this uh, conversation and this series in Race Matters. I thought it'd be good if um, people could get to know you just by sharing a little bit about your family, first of all. My wife, Chris, and I have been married for 28 years. We've lived in Lakeville that entire time. Uh, Hosanna's been our home for about 21 of those years. Uh, we have two children. Our children are Colombian born, so we adopted them from Colombia in, uh, when they were infants. Yeah, that's, that's our family. Great. So Chiet, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, um, my wife and I, Monsa, have been married uh, about 10 and a half years, been together going on 20. Um, we have four, four kids, three daughters and a son. Uh, my family originally is from Cambodia. My parents and older siblings uh, came to the United States as refugees, uh, arrived here in, in the summer of 1984. And then I, I'm first generation born, born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, raised in the inner city. Would you just share any, as you've reflected on this um, topic and what we're covering in this series, uh, just any personal experiences that you've had um, as it pertains to um, race matters? Oh, yes, yeah, so it could be uh, tough sometimes, I guess. Um, the last, last several years ha has brought up um, some situations in life that experiences that I've gone through. Um, first, first memory of, of something that I went through with my dad was we were out fishing when I was very young and um, just, you know, father-son time and um, a boat with some gentlemen, white gentlemen, ride up, ride up to us and throw rocks at us and tell us to go back to where we came from. And then recently, as, as recent as 2016, um, my daughter Lexi, who's 14 now, um, we were at a, a gathering in downtown Minneapolis and a gentleman pulls up and tells her to go back to where she comes from. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's a deep, deep topic of importance. Um, I think a deep topic that we all need to understand and tend to. John, what about you or some personal experiences that you've had? Uh, well, just raising our children, um, we get and we got a lot of what I call the doing the math look. People will look at the kids, they'll look at Chris, they'll look at the kids, they'll look at me, they'll look at me and Chris, they'll look back at the kids and, and just those looks. And and then we had, I just remember one time uh, my daughter received a gift and it still had the little security tag on it. And I just remembered, you know, we had a quick conversation. I said, you know what, I'll take that back to the store. Uh, so you don't have to answer questions that that I'm not going to have to answer. Um, what has led you um, to kind of come to a clearer understanding, deeper understanding um, about uh, this system of racism? And what what have you learned and discovered and and come to believe about about that? Probably the most impactful thing was, was the adoption of our children. I think the first part of that was going to Columbia and we lived there for two months for each adoption. And I just remembered the, uh, the feeling that I had in a place where I didn't look like everybody else. I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand the culture. I didn't understand the money and what that felt like to go through that. This feels really odd and I'd never felt like this in my life. And that is when the growth started, is when my heart was touched. Yeah. And it started 25 years ago, uh, sitting in a foreign country where I really didn't understand anything. Yeah. And I was the one being looked at and stared at and, mm -hmm. and, and all of that. So Chiat, uh, how about you? I firmly believe that uh, the system isn't broken, it's, it's the way it was created. You know, uh, some people will say, it's a broken system, but if it was created that way, is it really broken? You know, maybe we just need to relook at it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, like I said earlier, I grew up in, in St. Paul, West Side specifically, very multicultural community, and we all experienced uh, profiling. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, are you gang members? Are you, what are you up to? Where are you going? Where are you coming from? I was walking from the community center where we go and hang out to my house, just, you know, things like that and being stopped and frisked or um, for no reason. And those things create um, heartache and pain and worry uh, when you travel, when you're walking in your community where you're a kid growing up, you know. Um, John, I, I actually, I think it would be good to hear you talk about that being on, you know, serving as a police officer and as you hear Sochiat talk about his experience, what would you say about that? You know, police officers are the point where the system touches the people. It's the only point where the system touches the people. And sometimes that is a judgment call and sometimes it's a, by a court order. And, but this, I think this is part of, of what the, uh, the issue is, is when you have where this touches people and you know, police officers are always looking for things that seem out of place for their community. And how you see something, uh, I think, is a reflection of how you see the world. And so what I always encourage for police officers is to take that worldview and widen it. 
And proximity breeds familiarity. Everybody has to look inside their heart to see what drives their decisions. And yeah. that, that includes police officers. Yeah. What, what do we as Jesus followers need to say and do, and I want to emphasize as Jesus followers, need to say and do in order to move toward reconciliation when it comes to race matters? So Chit, why don't you take that one first? Many of us have to understand what it means to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, I think we tend to, as human, our human nature is that we want to pick a side or choose, this is what I stand on, rather than, okay, what is God saying? Like, I think, you know, uh, the what would Jesus do? <laughs> the WWJD, I don't know, what would Jesus do? What, what would he do? What, could we stop and actually ask that question and open up our Bible and read and learn what our Savior would do and understand what it looks like as a Christian to walk out tough, tough life challenges that the world throws at us. As soon as we make some kind of a solid stance before we listen, learn, and understand, we might as well say we've set, set ourselves up for failure. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. good. John? As a Christian, you're growing constantly. And so what I've grown into is recognizing everybody as a child of God, as a brother, as a sister. And I've just settled personally and in, in, in my heart settles as a Christian and there is no life that is subordinate to any other, what is it, 7.5 billion people in the world? And there is not one of those lives that is subordinate to any other life in God's eyes. Mm. And to me, that's very helpful that if, if that's the way God sees it, that's the way I want to see it. Um, what I've always done, and I've, I've given this advice to people that aren't getting along with somebody else, pray to God, ask God to show you one thing that God loves about that person and make that the basis of your relationship. And that has saved relationships. Mm. And then the last thing, um, if we're going to be eating together at a banquet in heaven, why don't we just start now? Mm. And to me, those are the things that as a Christian helped me put this into perspective. Yeah. What do, what do you think will be the most challenging when it comes to racial reconciliation? For me, I think, I think just we've been talking about this and you've set it up uh, during the sermon series. It's the politicalization and the either or and the I have to be for or against this. And for me, I think one of the biggest things that I've overcome, uh, and actually I've grown to, to overcome more and more is just assumptions and stereotypes. Um, it really takes discipline to look at another person and, and not make assumptions about where they might be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's good. So Chiet, uh, what about you? What are, what are some of the big challenges that uh, we'll have to overcome in order to experience more reconciliation in this area? We have more and more become reactors, you know, and do damage more than healing. And the healing comes from, again, I go back to being able to listen to people's stories, um, sit with people, you know, and, and I think you said it a while back, it's like, don't go looking for people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, these have to be organic relationships you already have. 
but sit with your friends, talk about these things, um, no matter the nationality, no matter like if even white friends, just sit with each other, talk about these things. What do you think? Um, and just be willing to actually understand history, understand uh, how we got to where we are now, um, maybe where we've dropped the ball as Christians. Yeah. And, and then start to ask, okay, what has to happen going forward? And that's, that's what we're doing now. I don't think any of us have the real answers, um, but we're working on it, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's owning good. it, owning our own mess and owning our own part in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a word that is being used a lot these days, justice, justice. Um, that was Jesus followers. What will justice look like when it comes to race matters? Some shit. Hmm. It's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. Um, because for some people, justice is one thing and for others, others is something else, right? Um, law enforcement are there to enforce justice on what's happening in the world or crime and stuff like that. And others, it's wanting to be heard. <laughs> justice is what Jesus did on the cross for us. Like what we deserve, all of us, every single person, like. We know the gospel, but all of us deserve death. But it's stepping through, like you said last week, it's, it's, it's what Jesus did going through the mess for us and giving his life and sacrifice. And so what does it look like for a Christian to pick up our cross daily and sacrifice our thoughts and, and, and what we believe for the sake of loving our neighbors? It's, that's not an either or, right? Yeah. Um, the perfect love of Jesus included justice being fulfilled in his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so the two you know, can't be separated. Um, they go together, love and, and justice. I mean, something has to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Something has to die. And, and be resurrected. And be resurrected. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. John, uh, same. Yeah, I mean, as a follower of Jesus, I, I'm just going to go ditto on what Sochi had said. Um, the cross and when you think about the context of the cross in first century Palestine he gave his life for people that really don't look like me and that really hits me and um, the other thing that happened when Jesus gave his life is the temple curtain was torn in two so a system that was set up was destroyed on that very day and so for me, the cross holds the power to correct any system. And that's the hope I hold. Uh, in practicality, I think we'll recognize justice uh, when people feel, the thing that I keep hearing for feedback is I just wanna be seen and I wanna be heard. And I think when people feel seen and heard, there's gonna start to be a sense of justice. Um, I think when the doing the math look stops, that there will be a sense of justice. And, but in the end, the cross holds that power. It's done it already. Jesus has done that already on the cross. And that sacrifice that he made lives today. Yeah. So that, that's what brings great hope for me in this whole conversation. Yeah. Last question. Um, and it's really the catch-all question, but just, you know, both of you, you walk in, because of your experience and perspective, you walk in authority. And I just believe that God wants to 
use you to share some encouragement, uh, some wisdom, some direction for us as we move forward as ministers, as Paul talks about, as ministers of reconciliation. So, John? Uh, you know, any authority is given by God. And so any authority has to serve God's purposes. And so I, you know, my thought on that is when you have a voice, just prepare yourself to use that voice. So use your voice and everybody has a voice. It isn't just, you know, named leaders, elected officials, everybody has a voice in the church. So Chiet, you know, what, would you, what encouragement would you give us as ministers of, of reconciliation? The Christian that I was 10 years ago is not the Christian I am today. And for those tuning in right now, listening, um, that's true for all of us. And, and my hope and my prayer is that uh, if you've already been walking through this, that this would be uh, edifying, that this would be confirmation for things that you've been, been diving and digging in, the books you've been reading. Um, and for those who, for those of you, if, if this is the first time that you're um, just paying attention, um, that you have people praying for you, that the church is praying for you, Hosanna is praying for you, right? Um, and that is one step at a time, one day at a time. My encouragement is from this day forward, make an effort, um, make every effort to seek the spirit of unity and the bond of peace, and which leads to reconciliation. Thank, thank you for all that that each of you have shared. You know, I, I, I have hope um, when I'm a part of a conversation like this and when I talk to, to people like you, followers of Jesus like you, to hear your hearts and your insights. Um, I have hope that this journey, this long road toward reconciliation, the hard work that it requires, it includes conversations like this. And, and when I, I hear your hearts and, uh, and the wisdom that comes um, from your experience, I have hope. And most of all, I have hope because of Jesus. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that uh, you both pointed us to the cross because that is the only way to true reconciliation is through the cross and all that that means for us. So again, thank you. Thanks for sharing. Uh, God bless you. And uh, let's keep walking this road together. Amen. 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 So grateful for both of those men, for their wisdom, their insights, their hearts. Most of all, their hearts for Jesus. And in so many ways, they modeled for us what that ongoing process of reconciliation looks like. As we wrap up this series today, I hope you're asking this question, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And as Jesus followers, as Paul says, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so we are going to take steps toward reconciliation. And to do so, we're gonna follow the ARC of racial reconciliation. ARC is an acronym for awareness, relationships, and commitment. We're gonna follow the ARC. And I wanna talk about each one of these for just a moment. First of all, awareness. We can all afford to become more aware of race matters. Wherever we are in this journey, more aware of race matters when it comes to God's word, first and foremost, and then race matters in our world. How do we do that? We've got to get passionate about this. We've got to value race matters by reading and listening and exposing ourselves to different perspectives than our own. 
And when we're standing on the rock solid ground of the gospel of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of other perspectives or insecure about hearing other perspectives. We should filter all that we hear through the lens of Jesus, the gospel of scripture, but let's be discerning, not scared of other perspectives. We can handle the truth. Second, the relationships. First of all, on behalf of my friends who are people of color, don't chase down the first person of color that you see. And don't, don't turn people into projects or into an object for your growth. Relationships have to be genuine and, and based on trust that's built over a long period of time. Avoid, avoid forcing friendships and, and tokenism. And don't expect a person of color to teach you everything you need to know. Don't put that on them. We can and should do much of the work ourselves. And there are lots of resources and voices that we can listen to to grow in understanding. But ultimately, racial reconciliation will happen one connection, one conversation, one relationship at a time. So obviously, start with the friendships that you already have, if you have them. Maybe start with anyone who thinks differently about anything than you do. Not just with race. If, if you don't have friends who are people of color, then start with people who think differently than you about anything and have a conversation in which you listen and learn. Follow their lead. Check in with them. How's this going? How am I doing? I want to understand. And if you don't have friendships with people who look different than you, then widen your circle by intentionally putting your, yourself in different diverse situations and environments that lead to connections that create the potential for genuine relationships. Eat at restaurants that, are, that serve different ethnic foods. Join gyms that have more diversity. Serve regularly downtown. The Twin Cities, one of the most diverse areas in the entire country. In one neighborhood alone, the Phillips neighborhood, over 100 languages are spoken. Look for stores, parks, activities in the suburbs where there's more diversity. Volunteer at a school where there's more diversity when we can start doing more of that and, and hang out in those places. Again, don't rush up to people and say, can we be friends? Right? Do this naturally and, and appropriately as we engage people led by the Holy Spirit. Even start by just silently praying in those environments and ask God to change your heart, to soften your heart, as we talked about last week. And let God show you the infinite worth and value that they have as ones who are created in God's image. And we have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone, take risks. It takes courage. Letting go of what others might say about what we are trying to do in this area. Also, we need to accept that we won't always say it right or do it right. We need to just let that go. Do our best, but we're not going to do it perfectly. Not knowing what to say or saying it wrong or why a lot of people don't speak up. That was the disciples in John chapter four from week one or, or why we don't take steps. We need to have grace for each other and be humble and open to feedback from people of color. Even seek it. We're not going to be perfect, but we will be persistent. And then lastly, that leads to the third one, commitment. We have to commit to being in this for the long haul. The road of racial reconciliation is a long road. There aren't quick fixes. Only lots of small, humble, courageous, imperfect steps taken in the right direction. It's way easier to talk about this. It's much harder to do. But if we want to follow Jesus and be ministers of reconciliation, we have to begin putting our time and money where our mouth is. Eventually, as Jesus followers, we move from the question, why should I, to how can I? 
And we make a commitment to doing it and to keep doing it persistently for however long it takes. Most of all, it starts with a commitment to following Jesus. Breaking that wall of hostility, separation, the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation that he calls us to. Following him through Samaria. If we don't follow him through Samaria, as we talked about in week one, we're not following Jesus. Here's what following Jesus looks like. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross, even death on a cross. For you, for me, for all of humanity. That's what a Jesus statement looks like. Jesus was always willing to give up what he had to use his influence to help others with less. He was always willing to humble himself, to go lower, lower in order to lift other people up. He gave up his life, sacrificed his life for you and me and for all of humanity so that we wouldn't forever be held down and held back. And then he says, go and do likewise with your lives. What will the next step toward racial reconciliation look like for you? Race matters to God from the very beginning in Genesis and it's where things are headed in the end as we see in Revelation 7, 9. Jesus followers don't wait until the end though. It's where we're headed now. And as we close this message in this series, again, it seems fitting to pray the words that Jesus taught his followers to pray being particularly mindful of those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray with me the Lord's prayer? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for church at home. Uh, we want to encourage you to not stop here, but to keep pressing in to this topic of race matters. It's just the beginning of a journey and keep processing with people around you. To that end, we have questions that'll go up on the screen at the end of the service for you to discuss this message today. Join us next week as we start a new series. But before we end today, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he look with favor upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.